this is the opportunity is to not force ourselves on life and to realize that things are happening yep. through grace, through a higher power. I mean, really, none of us are here of our own accord and none of us know what's going to happen next. And so there's a possibility of surrendering into that not knowing yeah. and allowing life to unfold. And yeah. it's just so much more enjoyable, right? I mean, mm -hmm. when we really chase after it, when we're really constantly the doer or making things happen, it's exhausting. I mean, it's useful <laughs> at times. There's things that we all need to show up and do, but those are usually pretty clear and we can still allow things to happen without needing to drive the bus so hard. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle Lamoureux, and welcome back to the Good Life Coach Podcast. Joining us today is Derek Notman, who you may be familiar with. He's been on the show before. He's a philosopher, spiritual teacher, martial arts expert, and is a Jinshin Jitsu practitioner, which is a form of energy healing. And he is also a friend and somebody who I love talking to because he just has such a beautiful grounding, relaxing way of making me feel and the, everyone he touches. So welcome back to the show, Derek. Mm, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Yeah, you're so you're so wise and it's so fun connecting with you. In the first interview that we did, we went really deep and I know a lot of people downloaded that interview. Uh, we talked about getting into silence and embracing that. And today we wanted to talk about managing fear. I think the last two years has had people in a hyper-vigilant state, even if they were already in that state or feeling anxious or afraid, it just got notched up to really an unmanageable level. And, um, you know, with the show, I want to be able to offer just perspectives, ways of thinking, things you can explore to really take care of yourself so that you can live the life you came here to live and um, wanted to get Derek's perspective because like I said, he has such a unique perspective and I love the philosophical angle you bring to things. So um, before we jump into the conversation, take a minute to introduce yourself in your words. And then I'd love your thoughts on where you feel we are with fear in general. Mm, okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I, I have been interested in questions about the nature of reality and the human condition and philosophy and all these things since I was pretty young. Um, and I studied philosophy in college, and that really got me interested, not in academic philosophy so much as living traditions of wisdom. And so for me, that led me on a at this point, it's been over 30 years of um, 
really diving deep into mostly the traditions of the Chinese culture around health and movement through martial arts and meditation and Chinese medicine and these kinds of things. And um, I've studied a lot of things outside of that context, but that was really always what really fascinated me, this idea of a truly integrated model where you have these beautiful writings that are poetic and their descriptions of the human body and the idea that as above, so below, as within, so without. Um, and really this recognition that we're not separate from the world. And in a lot of ways, or not in a lot of ways, the belief in separation is the root of our suffering. And so, you know, that's one thing to hear intellectually and to ponder. And then there's another possibility of really figuring out what that means. And that's not intellectual, that's experiential. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really an inquiry into the nature of reality and what it is to be here. And so Mm. I've just been fascinated by these kinds of things. And so I've looked in a lot of different traditions and a lot of places where this has been um, what people have focused on or have been looking for. And so that led me into healing and body work and, um, you know, all of these things in, in the traditions that I've studied, the Chinese internal arts are integrated systems where you have healing, you have movement and, and self-defense, and you have philosophy. So I just thought that was the bee's knees, right? It was just everything in one place. And there was a continuity to it. It wasn't a hodgepodge from the standpoint of we'll take a little of this and a little of that, and we'll call it a, a system. It was already inherently interconnected. And so, you know, when you're working with these things, there's a lot of talk about chi and energy and life force and all that. And so that's naturally philosophical. What does any of that mean, you know? And so over many years of asking the same questions, and I guess I'd say that's an important thing, right? A lot of the time we look to ask new and different questions, but it's like, Staying with a question, staying with the not getting an answer, staying with the mystery of it and the not knowing opens us up to a disposition that's different from the mind that is grabbing and figuring out and getting an answer. Yes. And that can be frustrating. It can be scary. It can feel like you're wasting time. You know, it brings up a lot of things. And that's part of the beauty of it, right? Is that there's an encounter with these anxieties or stresses or, um, you know, the very human sense of just wanting to get something done, moving towards something, getting better. But when you Mm. hold a question that you don't get to get an answer to, it creates a real shift. Yeah. And so that's really what I've been involved with. And, you know, all these years later, I still don't have an answer. I mean, it's, it's, there's patterns, there's clarity, there's, there's things that we can look to and and track but being here is a mystery and it will always be and so accepting that is not easy but it's very useful and and some of the things it requires us to move through and let go of so Mm. yeah my fascination has really been with embodiment the human body learning to gain a degree of mastery over that and then recognizing the aspects and qualities of mind that arise from that and ultimately looking into this realm of spirit you know what is it how does all this come about so 
yeah, I just continue to be very fascinated with that and continue to dive deeper into it. And, um, you know, my real interest is perhaps it sounds grandiose, but it's kind of the only game in town is the ending of suffering for myself yeah. and for others. Yeah. Well, I want to be clear that today, even though what we're talking about sounds very philosophical and deep, Derek, also because of your practice with Jin Shin Jitsu, the energy healing, he's going to be able to give us things that we can do for ourselves to manage some of these feelings as we also explore these questions of existence and staying open and not having answers and sitting with discomfort. And also it's an invitation to just see what resonates with you and see, you know, maybe what you feel like you want to explore more, more of. And I know for me personally, lately, I have um, been looking at myself, like when I'm, I'm seeing, I'm starting to recognize patterns, Derek, where I'm like, oh, I'm in this dance again. I'm doing this again. And I'll, I'll say to God, show me what role I play in this because I don't, I want to do a different dance. I'm done with this one. Or I'll ask, um, you know, what do I need to know about this situation? Or I've really become very comfortable with surrendering lately. Just like, you know what? Mm. I don't think I'm supposed to push forward. I'm not supposed to make things happen. I'm actually more interested in allowing. And if it's not flowing that easy, I'm just going to let go. And sometimes mm. it's for 24 hours. And I can't tell you how many times in the last month of having this awareness where things, once I stopped trying to solve for it and just let it go and just turned it over literally asked for the help, the help came like almost instantaneously. I don't know if you've yeah. experienced that. Yeah. So beautiful. So clear, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the opportunity is to not force ourselves on life and to realize that things are happening yeah. Through grace, through a higher power. I mean, really, none of us are here of our own accord, and none of us know what's going to happen next. And so there's a possibility of surrendering into that not knowing yeah. and allowing life to unfold. And yeah. it's just so much more enjoyable, right? I mean, mm -hmm. when we really chase after it, when we're really constantly the doer or making things happen, it's exhausting. I mean, it's useful <laughs> at times. There's things that we all need to show up and do, but those are usually pretty clear and we can still allow things to happen without needing to drive the bus so hard, you know? And so it's so beautiful to hear you say that because that's yeah. just it, right? It's really, yeah. how can we take a step back from our experience and not be caught up in the mess of the moment, but to have a perspective on it and in surrendering, in letting go, we have space. And so much of the work that I do, whether it's movement, table work, or, or talking with folks, is about recognizing and relaxing into that space. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a nice place to be. I've, it's almost become fun for me because mm. I'm, I'm open to the magic of it. I'm open to what will show up. And then when it does, it's just so like, and then I acknowledge it and thank God for it. I'm like, okay, you heard me. Thank you. Like, I, I like this way better than my pushing and, 
trying to make things happen or figure it out in my head all the time because I can happily spend a lot of time in my head or researching um, instead of just coming back to myself. And again, I'm sharing these stories and to the degree that it's helpful for others, because this isn't about me. And this is about, we're all in this dance. We're all in these situations and it's an invitation to look at it differently. And it's funny because I love science. You know, I flew back from Boston and I listened to uh, a whole course on brain health. You know, I could have been watching a movie or doing something else, but I love that. But I'm equally, if not more interested in the spiritual realm and the spiritual side, because science has the answers to a lot of things, but it doesn't recognize or acknowledge the magic in the miracles that I've experienced in my own life. There's no, there's going to be no scientific answers for those miracles. And so we need to be able to embody and embrace some of this stuff, right? Absolutely. And there's no conflict there. Right. True scientific method is embracing the mystery. Mm. Scientists don't know. They're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And as soon as they drop into the concrete certainty, then it's problematic, right? It's like science is about holding a question. And you're absolutely right. Science shows us how, but it doesn't tell us why. Mm. And so no matter how comfortable we are, how successful we are, purpose matters, right? So even if we're constantly succeeding, constantly moving past our goals and ambitions, at the end of the day, there you are. <laughs> and you're either happy yes. by virtue of being alive or you're not. And there's yes. nothing you can achieve or do that is going to instill deep happiness because yeah. it's non-contingent. To be here is joyful. It's just so often we're in our stories about what it means to be here. And the mind makes things scary. The mind makes things difficult. So we have to learn to let it go. Yeah. We want to be contemplating, being open, rather than just being in a contracted, figuring out mode of thought, which again, has its time and place. But to have it be the only lens through which we're seeing the world and experiencing things, just dries up the spirit. 100%. It's interesting. Within spiritual teachings, they, they say that only love is real. It's the only truth. And I'd love your thoughts on this. And I think if we're feeling dif disconnected from our truth, it's on often because we're in fear. Yes. And I know when I'm in a fearful place, I can't get connected to my knowing and my truth. So uh, we're going to I'd love to get your thoughts on how we work with our fear, but what are your thoughts on that, that, that idea that only love is like real? It's the only truth there is. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think that's right. I mean, I think um, classically you have the idea of Sat Chidananda in the Indian tradition, which is awareness, emptiness, and bliss. Right. And so what we have is awareness really, if you, look at it, if you do the discipline of inquiry and you and you look into the nature of things, you'll see everything falls away or arises in the field of awareness. So awareness is the container. Everything, it's like the stage in a certain sense. Everything comes before it and then moves away from it, but the mm -hmm. awareness never goes. Yes. And the awareness arises in the spacious emptiness Yes. Right? There's, yes. there's a emptiness that is the true nature of all things, the experience of being here, mm. feeling into it. Mm. 
So true. And we, we just, as you know, got a puppy three months ago and I swear my heart expanded by like 10 million percent. I mean, I was like, I thought I was a loving person and I, but I was like, wow, I didn't realize I could bring some new being into my life. I mean, since I felt this as a first time mother, for sure. Um, but then now with the puppy, it's just like, every time I see him, my heart just, it just opens and radiates. And I was like, wow. And it's funny because I can't really communicate other than their little subtle looks. And, you know, it's not about verbal communication, right? We don't need to talk to experience love. It's looking at a sunset or a hummingbird or, you know, a beautiful ocean or all of that stuff opens our heart and reminds us of love, right? That's right. Yeah. Love loves love. <laughs> That's funny. I was saying, I was petting the dog today and I'm like, Michelle loves love because <laughs> of the dog. He's just so cute. There's a, it's there's just a, sh- a direct heart to heart communication. hundred percent. There's no barriers. That's right. He's just full. He's just a bundle of love. And then you receive that and you can't help but reciprocate that and feel it in your own heart. That's right. And that's so beautiful and so clear because it shows how when we keep the mind out of it, yeah, we don't tell a story about it, when we're not trying to understand it, needing to know about it, yes. there's this possibility for a direct transmission and connection. The mind gets in the way. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So how do we work with our fear? And, you know, I'm curious your thoughts because fear triggers things like Anxiety, which is at an all-time high in the United States. Apparently, yeah. I had a doctor on who said it would had already by 2019, we were like the number one number one in the world for anxiety. And here we are in 2022. That was even before the pandemic. So I can just, you know, everyone's anxiety is up. So talk to us about working with our fear, how anxiety, you know, is maybe a result of that fear and how we can start softening and coming back to ourselves. Mm. So a couple of simple, practical things from the world of Jin Jitsu. Yeah. And explain what Jin Jitsu is just for anyone who's never heard that term before. Sure. Yeah. Probably yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> probably most of the people listening, unless yeah. they heard the first interview with you. So, yeah. Jin Jitsu is a lineage of Japanese traditional healing. Okay. It's in some ways like acupuncture without needles. It has its own unique cosmology and story in a certain sense but it's a way of looking at a map of the body by dividing up up into what we would call 26 safety energy locks and these tend to be confluence points on the body where a lot of channels or meridians come together again in the east the body is seen as a system that has waterways if you will yes and every organ has a circulatory pathway so that the energy that supports and feeds that organ can travel that. And the work is about helping release any blockages on the roadways so that the circulation is free and the blood is moving everywhere and the breath is deep. So simple, but profound. Very profound. Um, Yes. In the simplest expression of it, we learn to work with holding our fingers and the fingers have a correlation to the different organs within the body. So the index finger has to do with the kidney and bladder which is the element of water and the attitude or fixation that can arise when the kidney and bladder function energy are depleted is fear. And so, so you can simply lovingly hold the index finger Mm -hmm. and 
think of a good hug or a handshake. There has to be some intention, some connection. You don't just grab it. I mean, this is what I did when I first learned this. How's this work? You know, it's like you have <laughs> this to. This isn't doing anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. You have to <laughs> stop and open, <clears throat> excuse me, and <clears throat> allow yourself to relax into the experience, to listen. Listening is one of the most profound skills that we can develop across categories. So holding the finger lovingly and just tuning into your whole event, noticing yourself, bringing your attention back to yourself. And we're inviting you to do this right now. Just hold yeah, your lovingly, hold your index finger. Hold your index finger. Either one is fine. And just allow this to be a way of tuning into yourself and simply feel yourself beginning to drop in and relax. So this is something you can do all the time, anytime. It's cumulative. It adds up. It's one of those things, but it's no different from a push-up. If you do one push-up, nothing will happen. But if you do push-ups consistently over time, something will happen. This is the same thing. You may not feel it in this moment, but I promise you, if you stay with it, you will notice something. And so then the other piece is to realize that fear is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. It's the mind telling us a story and getting our attention, and then we get lost in the story. Fear is useful. It doesn't have to be a negative. Yeah. The problem is when we avoid it, when we don't feel it. And so then it's constantly looking for our attention. It's, it's to move away from it is to not allow yourself to experience what you're needing to experience. So the possibility is to notice the fear and to not move away mm. and to just be open to it, to invite it in, to let it have you. What if it's feeling like a tidal wave? What if it's yeah. not? So that can be to, to invite it in when it's so intense could be really triggering. So how does somebody move through that? Is that really the best thing to do? I'm just, I'm just asking, because like I said, I think people can be really anxious and part of the anxiety, it may be the resistance to wanting to feel what they're feeling, which is why it builds. But I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Well, you know, if somebody has real trauma issues and, and real heavy, acute, intense things going on, they're going to need to be working with someone. Yeah, and they should you see dip a, You dip a toe in the water. You don't, you don't have to in, jump in head first right away. Yeah. But really, the possibility is to invite it, to be with it. Feel mm -hmm. into it as much as you can in that moment. Mm -hmm. And what you may notice is that it's not what you think. See, the problem is when we just touch it and move away from it. And then we have a story about it and it builds up and it energizes. But the possibility in opening oneself up to it and seeing, well, all right, have me. You know, really, it's life and death. It really is. It's the possibility of being unmoved. And this is what the Buddha did. The Buddha was the one who stayed, right? All these things of mind assail us. Your past comes to claim you. Stories arise, they try to get you to move, they get you to respond and react. What if you didn't? Because we already know the fruit of letting fear win, right? We just keep on in the same pattern, it keeps happening. But if we really open ourselves up 
And in this moment, you know, like I, I don't always love um, public speaking or things like this. I had a lot of anxiety around it when I was a kid. And so I get fearful. But the choice is either to contract and squirm and get uncomfortable or to really open up to it and to see what it is. And in doing that, you invert the power relationship there. Yeah. There's no resistance. Yeah. There's no one to run away. There's no one to, you know, and it can feel like a tidal wave. It can feel huge. Mm. And so the possibility is to have space even for that, to be open to whatever's there. And, you know, again, it, it can be a little at a time, but if you start noticing your fear when it arises, and instead of just looking away or getting busy or doing something else, totally, yeah, you actually acknowledge it and feel into it and invite it and get curious about it. Right. You know, what's the positive intent? Why is it here? Right. Reactivity is really a lot of what we're trying to get away from. Yeah. Reactivity is a movement up into the head that begins a story. And mm. so what happens is a sensation couples with an emotion, couples with a thought pattern, and then we're in a trance. We're mm. off to the races. Totally. And that could be whatever calling somebody numbing with food, right? Going yeah. online, you know, busying yourself with your work, you know, anything to anything to feel, right? And I will just say, just for the, since we're going a little deep, this is for educational purposes only. It's a podcast. And like Derek was right. saying, if you truly need help, you know, anything that deals with your health, mental or physical should always consult your trusted practitioner. But Again, this is an invitation to to learn, to learn something new and to um, understand yourself better. Yes, that's that's absolutely right. And, yeah. and, if, and if you are suffering, there are people that can help with that suffering. Yes. And to try to dig out alone isn't the best way to go. No. This is really an invitation from the standpoint of on a daily basis, we all encounter situations that we're resisting. I mean, right. a lot of people that are just workaholics and hyper successful and doing all these things, in a lot of ways, the question is, what are you moving away from? Mm. Totally. I mean, I'm going to share a story I've never shared before, but when I was about eight years old, I was outside my house on my bike. My brothers were inside. I don't know where they were. Usually we're all outside playing. And these two men drove up in a station wagon car slowed was crawling in front of the house a man came out of the back seat there was a guy driving he said hey little girl come here mm. and my thankfully my instincts were drop your little yellow bike <laughs> and run as fast inside which is what i did i didn't tell anybody about it i didn't tell my mom or i don't know why and i remember running to the front window and i watched them slowly drive down the street and slowly drive away and literally just in the, like the last few years, I've noticed that when a car, even as a 50-year-old woman, drives by me and slows down, like my whole body goes into fight or flight, like I'm in danger. And I was walking the dog just literally the other day and I was like, oh, this is a pattern. Like <laughs> that trauma that happened as a little girl that you never like talked about or told anyone and thankfully you were okay stayed with you 
And yeah. so anytime you see a car, like you're, you're being re-triggered, even though you're not in danger. That's right. That's so beautiful. So clear, right? We go into a trance. Totally. And so these moments that we have where we have unprocessed emotion yes, and we don't release it, they stay with us and they yes. become triggers. And so something happens and boom, you're off to the races. You're in 100%. your head about all the negative things that could possibly happen. Totally. But if you actually stop and feel into the moment, there's no danger here. Yeah. Yet we're living as if there is. Totally. And I don't know if this is helpful or not. Tell me if you think, but just for whatever reason, when it happened the other day, I was like, um, I am safe. Life loves me. Like I corrected it with a, a different, like empowering statement versus feeling like a victim or, or, you know, I just, I needed something to like anchor in. So I think with what you're talking about, it's more just visiting the feelings versus like solving for it. But I, that I did find that was helpful. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and in the moment. And, and so then what I'd say is that there's, also the possibility of of getting curious about that and in a comfortable yeah. safe place at home looking into it you yeah, know maybe What's sitting with that fear here? inviting yeah. it in like okay let's go into that car driving by here on my yeah, street versus it. the little yeah 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 it. yeah and you know for me a big one has been vulnerability mm. to feel vulnerable for me was just awful I just didn't like it, you know, and we've all got our things. It's a function of genetics and conditioning of how we grew up and our story. And I would say our Enneagram sign and all, all of these things. Um, but to be vulnerable felt really unsafe to me. Mm. And as I've explored that, as I've allowed myself to go into, okay, what is it if I feel vulnerable? At first, it's like, oh, it's horrific. But if you stay with it, it's okay. It's always the movement away or the reaction that causes the problem. Mm. You know, in Buddhism, they talk about the second arrow in a sense where it's like, okay, something happened. That's the first arrow. Okay. But then you beat yourself up over it, or you keep going on in your mind about it. And you shoot a second arrow into yourself. It's like, it's not helpful. It's not useful. <laughs> it's true. No, it's true. There's, I had a friend who's a therapist and she would say, if you can feel it, you can heal it, which I always thought was beautiful. Sure. And then there's, I can't think it. her name's Jill something. She was some, she may have, I don't remember what her, her deal was specifically. I think people have heard her story where she had a stroke. I think she was maybe a doctor or something. And um, she talked about, um, I wish I could remember the woman's name, but Anyway, there was this woman who talked about how our thoughts, a thought lasts 90 seconds. So if you're looping, like if you keep going on beyond 90 seconds, you're choosing to do that. So a thought comes and goes, but then we attach to it and then we add to it and we build on it. And then we're looping right. over and over and making it a bigger thing than it is. That's right. We live at choice. What did you say? But we it's not a we live at choice, yeah. meaning we're always choosing love or fear. Mm. You know, it's just always the case. It's not always so evident to us, you know, and like, if you can feel it, you can heal it is true. But then it's like, okay, well, how do we do it? You know, this is part of the thing. A lot of these statements just become 
little statements, statements and they get bounced around. <laughs> they get thrown but, on Instagram as a quote and people yeah. like it and then move on. Yeah. That's right. But yeah. the invitation is to really get curious. Okay, what does that mean? Like, how do I feel it? How do I go into that? Mm. How do I avail myself of that experience so I can actually be working with something? Because if you can feel it, you can heal it is accurate, but it's just another thought. So replacing one thought with another thought, <laughs> you know, there's a great Zen master, Bankai, who said, to use the mind to heal the mind is like wiping off blood with blood. Mm. Yeah, this is where we need to invite in our body. Well, how do we, you know, because I know you talk about this, how do we train the body, mind, and emotions, like the combination to respond in a way that keeps us grounded and not reactive? Like, talk to us about the, how those are all connected. Yeah, great question. Um, so I'd say the common skill in all the different things that I teach and practice and movement, um, Jin Shin Jitsu and inquiry work is listening. Mm. Listening requires that we still and quiet ourselves. And so when we can develop this listening disposition, whether it's in exercise, for instance, or, you know, I, I tend to use the word movement because in learning to move and develop skills with the body to be more embodied, it's a process, or at least as I teach it, of learning to recognize and release the tension that you're holding. Mm. Because the tension is an obfuscation in the body's ability to feel and sense itself. So when we change the conditions by releasing the tension, we create a new capacity. And so we don't need to seek to um, do the thing. In other words, whatever skill you're trying to gain will be a natural flowering of the process. And the process is learning to recognize and release all the contraction. Mm. Everything is either opening or closing. We're either moving toward an opening or we're moving away and closing down. Yeah. And so this is true of the physical body and it's true of the mental and emotional body. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that we learn to feel our body so we can recognize the tension and the holding so we can put it down, we can also learn to observe the mind and its patterns and its tricks of trying to draw us into trance. Mm. And we can also learn to feel the emotions so we don't move away from them or ignore them or overindulge in them by having to have a response. We can possibly just be there and experience it without needing to um, be driven into action by it. Can and you? so okay. the training of all of these comes out of learning to bring our attention from out there back into ourself, the inversion of our attention. And this is a classic spiritual truth, right? Uh, it's always about turning the world on its head. The answer is never out there. It's always in here. But we're so extrinsically focused and we're so bombarded with stimulus to get our attention out there into the world of phenomena. And so part of what we're really looking for is to return back to the self and the spaciousness of just being present and not chasing that squirrel, whatever it is. 
Yeah. Can you give us a specific example? Because I think it's nice to hear the theoretical or, you know, the big picture of it, but to to give an, a specific example so somebody can bring that home to themselves, I think is always really helpful. How would they apply? Like, go ahead. Uh, so yeah, I was just going to ask for a little more context, a specific example of how you might, what, stop rumination of the mind or something? Right, and get into the listening so that, especially as it relates to the body. Yeah. Um, so, okay, well, one simple thing is, all right, there's a few different physical body right so if somebody's shoulders are tight all the time yeah that's me by definition <laughs> they don't feel that they don't know that because yeah. that's their baseline that's natural for them yeah so the trick is to get yourself to begin to see it it starts with seeing it recognizing okay i'm going to begin to notice my shoulders i'm going to you have to i turn everything into a game like i'm always looking for okay where is this tension? Where, how is it showing up? So mm -hmm. if your soul, if your shoulders are tight and sore all the time, it's because you're lifting them all the time. Mm -hmm. So then the possibility, and you could use a mirror, you, you know, you have to, you have to, again, all of this is a process. It's none of it is a one Big plus fix. one equals two. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you begin to play the game. What are you doing with your body? How are you using yourself? So if you're tightening up here all the time and you begin to play the game, you'll start to notice it. You'll start to catch yourself. And over time, if you stay with it, in the act of catching yourself each time, and then you catch it and you, you consciously drop the shoulders, you begin to steal the signal that's subconsciously doing that. And what happens is it just stops. You're not feeding it anymore mm. because it's part of a reaction in the whole body that gets wired into a loop it becomes a way of being and until you see it then you can free yourself from it and then this the impetus to do it gets removed yeah. it's just like with the mind it's the same thing if you have a habit of negative thinking you have to catch yourself in the act of it and when Break you do pattern. Yeah. put it down don't touch it yeah because what happens is it's all fueled subconsciously for we're sure. not aware of what we're doing because it feels familiar to us. It mm -hmm. feels natural. So it's all about learning to, well, first of all, it's about willingness. You have to be willing to pay, play the game. You have to be willing to see yourself as you are, warts and all. And it's not beautiful. It's not comfortable. It's not fun at first, but it's real. And so this is so useful because in a certain sense, we all hide from ourselves. And this is where our suffering comes from because we don't actually deal with what's true. You know, we all want to be comfortable and together and have our act together, right? You know, so it's hard to admit that we don't. And it's hard to admit that we have fear. You know, I had no idea I had so much fear in my life when I was younger. And, and, as I've gotten older and, and been willing to face it, it's just become so clear how much it dominated my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's amazing, you know, but in saying that and being willing to own that, now the possibility is to be free of it because mm -hmm. you have to see how you're trapped to mm -hmm. find your way out of the trap. I love this. You talk about seeing into the nature of things as a way to heal. Is that sounds like what we're talking about right now? Yeah. 
Because when we get clear, we get calm. And when we get calm, things are easy. There's a smoothness to it. So it's like the body, you know, tension is an activity. Physical tension is something you're doing to yourself. Mm. And the possibility is to stop. <laughs> stretching right now. I'm like, yeah, my neck is yeah. tight. Yeah. 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 And so when we see that, like hearing that is one thing, right? That that invites you to the game. Yeah. But then you have to play it and you have to practice at it and get better at it. And it's a bottomless possibility. You know, in Chinese, there's so many beautiful expressions, but a classic expression is that there is heaven beyond heaven and there are men beyond men. Everything is relative. Who knows how relaxed you could get? Who knows how calm you could get? And depth is created by going deep. And so the more you practice, you're constantly moving the bar. And so there's this possibility of establishing baselines and ways of being that are totally unknown at this moment, that become totally real and tangible through mm. the act of participating in the process. Mm. Yeah, it's so beautiful. We're not our bodies and we're not our stories. And until we really take that on as a possibility, we remain stuck in this series of conditional relationships where I need this to feel good or I need that to feel good. And the problem with that is it never ends. And it's, it's, um, it's not true. You know, I mean, it's like this, this narrative that we are our bodies that we've all been born into and inherited. It's really pernicious. It's the root of our suffering. And so, you know, your body's like a car. It's, it's a wonderful thing to have. So useful. So, so great. It's nice to take care of it and to love the one you have. But you don't get confused when you go in your car that you think you're your car. You're the awareness. You're what's driving it. And so it's the same. We've covered a lot. I mean, you've talked to us about holding our finger as a way to use Jinshin to just settle in with our bodies, bring awareness. And this is the, the pointer finger is actually the fear. fear. So it helps regulate fear. That's accessible insight, welcoming the fear, not, not resisting it. So it doesn't feel bigger or overwhelming, right? Just sitting with it to the degree that you can comfortably. Um, obviously, if you need more help, hundred percent, please seek out the support that you need. Um, body the, that we are not our bodies but you know having like you said maybe going into the tension that we're feeling so that we're more aware of it so that it can soften it's just like it's just a new way of like thinking about how to be in relationship to ourselves to our mind our body and our spirits right, right? am i getting this i just want yeah, to yeah it's an inversion to... of, it's an inversion of what we're taught and what we, we think right in other words at all these levels, mind, body, and spirit, the challenge is to not move away. Don't run. But to, yeah, don't run. Be still and know that I am. Yeah, let's say with that, be still and know that I am. And this is so beautiful. And this is an invitation for people to have some curiosity and awareness and 
Let love find you, like you said. Love seeks you. Love is always seeking you. That's right. Yeah. You don't we have close to... off. You know what? Yeah, I think it was Mr. Eckhart who said, you know, God is always here. I'm the one who leaves. Hmm. This is what yes. we do. We get in our heads and we go on our journeys, projecting on the world, telling ourselves all kinds of stories to be afraid, to be this, to be that. And the whole time, love is waiting quietly for us to realize that we're already home. Mm. Beautiful place to end, Eric. I always love connecting with you. Leaves me with a lot to think, even though that's not what you want. <laughs> Just no, more awareness. I'm teasing a little more awareness. Um, the show notes for today will be over at thegoodlifecoach.com with links to Derek's website, or you can head directly there to Derek Notman. And that's D-E-R-E-K-N-O-T-M-A-N.com. And they can connect with you, Derek, on Instagram. I think that's where you hang out at where? Yep, Instagram. Island Island Physical Culture? Uh, It's Awakened Embodiment. Oh, it is. And they're they're related. The Island Physical Culture is a lot of the movement teaching that I do. I'm only following one of your accounts then. So I'll it's have to It's the same one. That. I think I recently changed the name. Oh, you I'm not did? very good with Oh, you're right. You did. I'm looking at it. It's awakened underscore embodiment. I didn't realize yes. you had changed the name. Okay. Yeah. Got you. All right. Um, thank you for being here again today. Such a great, rich conversation and very grateful to you. Mm, it's my pleasure. I always enjoy our time. Thank you so much, Michelle. Me too. Thanks, Derek. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.